Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 807 at News Talk WSB. 807 at your house as well. It's a great Saturday morning. If you have questions about your landscape or lawn, what you should be doing, what you might want to put off doing, about your houseplants, about your poinsettias, about your Christmas cactus, about your bulbs and paper white narcissus, and anything you have a question about, if it's green and growing or not growing or brown or you have some advice that you need, 404-872-0750. And I'll be delighted to answer your question while you wait right here. Ashley Frasca screens our calls every Saturday morning. She's a delight to talk to on the phone. Scott Maxson chooses our music, which makes us delighted in the studio because we get to hear some great music here. But we're going to go a little bit further afield and talk today, not necessarily about plants for the next couple of minutes, but about a recipe. A recipe. A recipe that has a long history on the Lawn and Garden Show. Back before I came to host the Lawn and Garden Show on WSB, Kathy Henderson, a wonderful, wonderful woman, great landscape designer, great gardener, uh, native Georgian, hosted the Lawn and Garden Show. And one of the things that she was known for sharing every year was the recipe for easy homemade ambrosia. And she called it Elizabeth's Ambrosia. But the recipe is one of those things that you remember simply because you don't have to peel oranges and section all the little pieces of orange to put into your ambrosia, which is a miserable job, having done it once or twice when I was a kid. You don't want to make that kind of ambrosia. Kathy got this recipe from her friend Elizabeth that was wonderful, and it uses apples instead of orange slices, and it tastes just like the ambrosia with the orange slices. People will not be able to tell the difference, and I'm going to tell you just briefly describe what you do. You get some apples from the grocery store. Apples are a little bit on the softy side. would do best better than the real crisp Granny Smith apples, and you um, grate them, grate them up real good, and add a can of concentrated frozen orange juice and a can of crushed pineapple, a can of shredded unsweetened coconut, and you simply stir them up in a bowl, put them in the refrigerator, best done probably a day before your party or anything. I have the recipe, by the way, on my website, so we'll get to that in just a minute, so don't be frantically writing everything down. But um, you put the uh, uh, ambrosia made out of apples, orange juice, coconut, and what was the other thing? Pineapple. And you put all those in a big bowl, stir them up real good, put it in the refrigerator overnight, and the next day, just before you serve it, put three or four or five maraschino cherries on top of it, and people taste it and say, oh, you spent all day yesterday making this ambrosia for us? And you say, no, I did not. And you share with them the recipe for Elizabeth's ambrosia recipe, and you will be, I think, very pleased. If you have people who don't like coconut, obviously they're not going to like this, but they wouldn't have liked the original ambrosia either. So, if you need this ambrosia recipe, go to WalterReeves.com and just type in ambrosia. 
you'll get two or three pages or two or three links to Ambrosia Beetle, which is not the same thing. But down about four hits into my searches, you'll get easy to make Ambrosia or Ambrosia dessert or something like that. And you'll be able to copy off the recipe and you can make it yourself. I think you will really be pleased with it and you can take it to your friends and brag on yourself. But be sure and give credit to Elizabeth, who is a friend of Kathy Henderson, a wonderful gardener and the former and wonderful host of the Lawn and Garden Show. Going to the phones right now. You bet right now Cheryl is in Ellenwood, and Cheryl joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Cheryl, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm pretty I was well. Wondering, that's good. I was wondering, when is it too late to plant um, shrubs and trees and maybe like camellias and gardenia radigans and if you did it right, Cheryl, there's probably not a day of the year that you couldn't attempt to plant most everything. I mean, July 4th, you could plant things, but it's a lot harder in July because the plants demand so much water, and those little root systems in the pot typically are not big enough quite to supply the water that they need when a shrub is in the ground. So July 4th is not the recommended time. The better time starts in mid-September on through about mid-March. Those are That's a pretty good time. The better time earlier in the September-ish uh, time frame and the little less good, I guess, would be in March. So to answer your question, if you want to plant something right now, Ellen, oh, Cheryl, I mean, in Ellenwood, I'm not going to argue with you. You'll have success. Keep it watered, and particularly the things that have green leaves like gardenias and hollies and things like that. Be sure you water those once or twice during the winter because they will dry out. They will dry out in the winter. Okay. Thank you. Now's the time. And one of the things you can do to help them along, Cheryl, go run by a pike and get a uh, product they call Sure Start. It's a very, very slow-release fertilizer that you can put in the ground. When you dig your uh, their hole, put these shrubs in, once you sort of untangle the roots on the things that you're putting into the ground, put some Sure Start in the ground around them, put the shrub in the ground, put the dirt around the uh, root ball of the shrub, and the Sure Start helps a little bit to get the whole plant off to a good, good, good growth spurt when it's starting out next spring. But again, watering during the wintertime. Do not forget this. You'll think it's sort of dumb about watering your gardenia and your holly during December, January, but you need to do it. Go a couple of weeks, or a couple of gra- gallons every week is what I meant to say. A couple of gallons every week should be about right. Okay, thank you. You bet, Cheryl. Good luck with it. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. We got 8.12 on a Saturday morning. Who have we got next? Chris is in Decatur and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Chris, good morning. Morning, Walter. How the heck are you? How the heck? I'm doing great, Chris. What's going on? Well, I'm out walking Herschel, my dog, you know, and yes, we walk sir. by these neighbor's houses. A lot of them have a, it looks like short-haired Liriope. I know short hair is the wrong thing to say, but right. It, this was like a, some of them have liriope that's been mowed, yeah, and then some of them have liriope that just looks like it grows short, yeah. And that's, so is that a is that a brand I can buy? <laughs> it's not a brand per se. Oh. It's a type of liriope cousin. Let's call it liriope cousin. It's a mondo grass is the name of it. Mondo M O N D O mondo grass, oh, uh-huh. deep uh-huh. deep green. And as you point out, some folks will put it in their lawn. You're talking to a guy right now who's putting it in his back lawn where the <laughs> trees are shading out my St. Augustine. Uh-huh. And uh, I hire teenagers during the summer, during the winter sometimes. They have nothing better to do than go in my backyard and dig it out of a clump I have in one corner and spread the pieces of Mondo around the rest of my 
lawn back there. So it looks uh-huh. great. It only requires mowing once or twice. There are people I know of in Atlanta have pictures of their lawns that have been done for oh, five years, I guess. It's complete mondo grass throughout, deep green, all year long, mow it twice, done with it. It's tedious to get it started. About. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. That's yeah. the stuff right there. <laughs> One and done, yeah. Um, so, to quite honestly, Mondo grass grows in people's yards that don't want it. And so if you're at any social gathering this wintertime, ask people. Just put a note you know, with your name and phone number on it and ask people, do you have any Mondo grass? How about giving me a call? Some yeah. of them are going to say, yeah, I got some back in the back. You want it, you got it. And you take a shovel, <laughs> dig it up, divide it into little pieces, put it in the ground, and within four or five years, you're going to have solid green. Excellent. Thank you, sir. You're a great marriage. Mondo, mondo, mondo grass. That's exactly what we want, Chris. Mondo. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for calling. Hey, God, who next? Bill. Bill's in Atlanta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Bill, good morning. Bill, 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 don't be listening to that radio, Bill. Listen to me on the phone. No, Bill, he went away. All right, a little lesson here. You can't listen to me on the radio. You have to listen through the phone because we have a seven-second delay. And if if you're listening on the radio and you hear me say, hey, Bill, you're on the air, Bill is not hearing that until, well, has heard it already seven seconds earlier, well, Anyway, I'm not explaining that very well, but Bill just was listening to the radio when he should have been listening over the phone, and the delay confused him, and away went Bill. Nathan is in Monticello, Georgia, and Nathan joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, man, Hello, good, good morning. morning. Um, yes, sir, I have some crepe myrtles. Um, this will be, they're about two years old, they're about nine feet tall. Wow, good, good deal. And I, I just, I, I, this will be the first year I trim them back. Yeah. I'm probably down to about four feet. Why do you want I to just, trim them back? Uh, just to make them look more more decorative. Sure I don't not. know. I, you know. If there's any way to avoid trimming them back, I think crepe myrtles all by themselves look pretty darn attractive without any pruning much at all. So I know, yeah, 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 yeah. You see people who cut them back with a chainsaw and whack them back to these little knobby-looking things. I don't think it's all that attractive. Nathan, if you differ with me, do what you want to do. It's not going to keep it from blooming, but I think it's, to me, ugly. Okay. Okay, I thought you had to prune them back. No, 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 no. You tell everybody you see in Monticello that there is no <laughs> reason to prune a crepe myrtle ever. They will bloom like crazy times if you don't prune them. And besides that, here's the good news. If you prune them severely, they will be more susceptible to aphids and to um, black, black sooty mold that gets all over the leaves and to other problems because they did powdery mildew. They get powdery mildew because the pruning makes the lush growth that comes out much more dense and it has less um, wind going through it. And so the aphids have a place to hide and the leaves stay damp a lot of the time and so they get diseases on them. And so by leaving it unpruned, you have a healthier crepe myrtle anyway. Well, I'm going to leave them alone then. I'm leave them alone. Good. Take off anything that, you know, sprouted off to the side. It doesn't look particularly right on there. But leave it alone otherwise and tell everybody down there in Jasper County that I said hello. I sure will. I sure enjoy listening to you. Thank Thanks, you, sir. Nathan. See you soon. We got 817 on a Saturday morning. We'll be back right after this. Uh-huh. 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. What we got today, lots of sunshine. What we don't got, we don't have a lot of warmth. It's not going to be the warmest day of the week, I don't think. It's going to be low 50s this afternoon, low 30s overnight, maybe a little bit more tomorrow afternoon. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And for in-depth news coverage, remember to pick up your Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution for the news and $250 in coupon savings. Rich is in Dahlonega, Georgia, up in the wilds of North Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Rich, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing all right. What you got? Uh, I got a tree. I'm not sure if it's a tree or a bush. Um, it's in our yard, and it's about six feet tall, green leaves, and it flowers. It's got these bright pink flowers yeah. uh, that only seem to bloom when it gets cold. Uh, any other time, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. <laughs> well, never, there, there are people in Atlanta right now who are seeing small trees. These are not bushes. These are small trees, maybe 15 to possibly 20 feet tall, that have little pink flowers on them, and they're a type of cherry. It's called autumnalis cherry, a very commonly planted tree by landscapers, and it blooms off and on throughout the winter. Whenever you have a warm period, pink flowers on it, little bitty flowers, then it gets cold, they fall off. That's one to think about possibly as autumnalis cherry that somehow maybe got pruned and grew up as a bush or something like that, so that's one to think yeah. of. Uh, so autumnalis cherry. What else? Uh, is, I mean, this is this is big. I mean, it's about yeah. seven, six, about six or seven feet tall, um, and the flowers are almost like uh, like a carnation or a rose type flower. I mean, very yeah. far, about three inches in diameter, and and they got green leaves now. They haven't been frozen off or anything. No, no, it's green, green leaves. leaves. It never loses its leaves. Well, why not uh, camellia? I mean, camellias are pink flowers, green leaves. Uh, okay. Six to ten feet tall. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the most likely thing, Rich. It's the most Camellia. common one. Camellia, yeah. And because camellias, uh, there are two kinds of camellias. They're the fall-blooming kind. They're called Sasanqua camellias, and they bloom from October or so on in through December right now. And then okay. sometime around right now, the other kind, the Japonicas, take over, and they bloom from December all the way up through April so one of the camellias is my good educated bet of what you're seeing. Yeah, it must be it must be the first one because I mean it started blooming probably in mid October. I started yeah. seeing the buds and the big the big you know the big buds and then the flowers came out within the last two weeks. Yeah, so yeah. So camellia. I'll okay. give you a social a social experiment, Rich. When you go and uh, talk to people and ask them if they have any kind of exposure to camellias and they know about these Sasanqua camellias. It's ladies mostly say, pronounce the name of this kind of fall-blooming camellia. And if they say Sasanqua, they're from up in the mountains or they're from maybe northeast uh, United States. If they say Sasanqua, they're from Atlanta and south. So if they have a real soft Sasanquas, they're southern Georgian, middle Georgia people. If they're Sasanqua, they're up in north Georgia and up on further than that. 
fit one other quick question. No, nah, I, I, I can't do another quick question. Rick. Uh, we got to go. All right, thank you. Do appreciate it. Call me next Saturday morning. That'll be fine. We'll be right back to Lawn and Garden after news. Never calls, never calls, never calls a bum. That's what Hal says. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And watches that girl reruns on TV. They've got two little boys. They make a lot of noise. Live and festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.35 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in the landscape, doing whatever you do or don't want to do and need a little advice to make it a little easier for you, make it a little bit more successful, bring a little happiness into the landscape as well. 404-872-0750, our number every Saturday morning. But every Saturday morning around 8.35, we're joined by the pride of Pike Nursery and Boaz, Alabama, the lovely, the talented Miss Mickey Gazaway. Mickey, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Roll Tide. Oh, fabulous. Roll Tide. Are they playing somewhere today? What's no, going on? No, no, not Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I'm anyway. sad. I'm sad. If the, if the University of Alabama's not playing, the University of Georgia's not playing today, then what are we going to do? I know. What are we going to do? Gonna do? I know, not much. Stan will be bored to death. <laughs> he's, got, he's got presents to wrap, though. He hasn't finished with his wrapping. So. And I'm sure you have still holes to be dug in the yard that need to be Absolutely. filled with plants. Absolutely. Sort of I've got thing. a couple of camellias that have got to be played. And by the way, I don't know if you've, you were talking about what people call yeah. the thing. Was, yeah. My mother called all camellias japonicas. Okay. It didn't matter what they were. And, and I've heard a lot of old southern ladies that did that. They were all called japonicas. japonicas. It didn't matter whether they were sasanqua. Well, the sasanqua with that sibilant S, the sasanqua of South Georgia, one that I love hearing. I yes. do love hearing it. So what's our pipe pick of the weekend, Mickey? This week it's poinsettias, and they're all half price, 50% off. Good. Awesome. Terrific. So this is a great time to go out and pick out your poinsettias. You know, it makes a great hostess gift. Oh, yeah, for, man. For the middle of your table and Christmas, it would be great. So uh, so give us the care. Give us the general care instructions of poinsettias, and let's talk about you know what you do and what you don't if you have one. Well, you want to keep them out of the cold, first of all. It always makes me nervous when I see somebody throw one in the back of a pickup truck. Mm. <laughs> I have seen that, too, and I try to run out to the parking lot and say, no, no, don't do that. Um, but you want to keep They don't like to be cold, but they don't want to have the heat vent blowing on them either. So, you know, just put them in a the corner of the room where they're not going to get cold and the heat vent's not going to come. And mine last forever. Sure. And um, I, I keep mine moist. One of the things I see people sometimes have a problem with, they come in these, a lot of times they put them in the foil hats. Yeah. And they keep putting water in there and they don't take into, um, they, they don't realize that, that water doesn't have any place to go. It just accumulates. And it accumulates. Yeah. And so make sure that it drains well, but that you keep it moist. And right. It'll last as, usually as long as you want it to last. My mother has one two years old. It's green know, this year, but, but it's still lasting. It's still green. It's still that, a houseplant. That's exactly right. So why not? They don't need much fertilizer, do they? 
No, I don't. You know, it, the few times I've carried one through, I've fertilized it in the spring. Like you were telling somebody this morning, the most important time is when it's in active growth, when right. it's going into right. active growth. Sure. So I put a little bit of fertilizer on it then, but, um, you know, normally I don't. Half off of poinsettias, and you've got such a wide selection. Pike has pinks and whites and variegated oh, and really? all sorts of colors in there. I like the ones with the variegated leaves. They were, I do, too. I saw them the other day, and I thought, good. boy, that's a knockout poinsettia. Yeah. That's a good-looking beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Still half off. Still half, half off. You get the half off and, and beautiful we've got little bitty time. ones, and we've got great big ones. Right. Pretty, Go for it. Pretty darn awesome. Pike Nursery comes through every year with something pretty and something nice and a wonderful pike pick. Don't, by the way, for listeners who don't know quite what the pike pick is and haven't been introduced to it, all you do is go to your local pike nursery, bring up a whole shopping cart full of poinsettias, and tell the cashier, say, this is Walter and Mickey's pike pick of the weekend, and they are 50% off. That's right. That's going to make somebody really happy because then they can go buy other things at Pike, like bird feeders and bird seed. And oh, yeah, and we have decor. got a great selection of bird stuff. And that makes of it. And that makes a great gift. Yeah, that's sort of like you said, the poinsettia makes a great gift. The bird feeders and bird seed make a great gift, too. And Pike has it all. Pike comes through and does a great job. And bird, bird stuff makes great gifts for kids, but sometimes uh-huh. people don't think about that. That's what I gave my. God grandchildren <laughs> last year um, uh, at Christmas was bird feeders. That's a great gift for kids. So again, for new listeners maybe who are not really familiar with where all the Pike locations are in Atlanta, but do want to take advantage of fifty percent off on poinsettias, where would they go to look? At pikenursery.com. Absolutely. Merry Christmas to you, Mickey. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye bye. Again, 404-872-0750 is the number at Lawn and Garden. Steve is at Monroe, and Steve joins us on Lawn and Garden. What's up, Steve? Good morning, Walter. Morning. Quick question about uh, newly sodded Bermuda. Bermuda. All right. Uh, Got it put in in the middle of September. It greened up pretty good. Uh, Haven't cut it at all, Mm -hmm. and I wondered whether whether or not I should. Not really. How tall is it right now, Steve? Oh, I'd say may, maybe new growth was a total of one inch. Leave it alone. Leave okay. it alone. There's, you're actually going to do it a real favor for not mowing in the wintertime because two reasons. One, if you mow it, you're actually removing some of the protection that it needs from winter cold. It's not fully established yet, and so it could get hurt if the cold gets really severe during January and February. And number two, uh, winter soils tend to be sort of on the soggy side. They've gotten some rain, of course, in the last couple of weeks, more rain expected maybe next week. And the soggy soil tends to get compacted by lawnmower wheels, and that compacted soil is where weed seed love to grow, where grass hates to grow. And so you're making a place, little strips that the uh, weeds can grow in the lawn. So leave it alone. One less thing to do today. Fantastic. Thanks for the info. Yeah, man. You're welcome, Steve. Thanks for calling. Comes now, Brother Rick from Woodstock, way up in North Atlanta. Hey, Rick, good morning. Merry Christmas. Good morning, Walter. Merry Christmas to you as well. What can we do for you? Thank you, sir. I have, a, I believe, a nine-foot silver maple. Yeah. And I was wondering, when is the best time to prune it and how to prune it? I'm drawing a deep breath here, Rick, because there, there are a number of listeners out there right now who have not nine foot, but like 40 foot silver maples and saying, cut it down, cut it to the ground. Don't let a silver maple grow in your yard. 
Uh-oh. Silver maples can be problems. The one big thing they're good at is growing. They grow like a tornado. They grow high and wide, and it doesn't take long to get there. The bad thing about silver maples is they don't have much color. If this indeed is a silver maple, and it will not have a lot of fall color, it will drop leaves and twigs all year long, be sort of a mess. But like I said, the good thing is it sure does grow fast, and if you're not parking your truck underneath it and you don't have it too close to the house, I'm not going to argue that you have a silver maple, and if you need to prune it, then pruning now I think is fine. Why do you, why do you want to prune it anyway, Rick? Tell me that. Well, it has about three different growths from the base. Yeah, okay. And looks like one side of the growth has a, looks like something has eaten it or mm. not sure exactly what's happened. I just mm-hmm. wanted to know what was best for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, take your choice. You have time now, if you wanted to, to either go into the woods and transplant a nice little red maple, if you can still find one with some leaves on it, that you can identify it correctly, or buy one from a nursery if you want to, too. They've got pike nurseries up close to you that you can find some maples, very nice uh, autumn flame, autumn glory, October glory, I mean. Um, there are some pretty red maples that have nice color in the fall, grow fast, just like a silver maple, and are not nearly as messy. So... Put that into consideration, Rick. Don't be 20 years down the road listening to me on the radio if I'm still here and <laughs> saying to some or thinking to somebody that calls in about the silver maple and you're thinking, man, I wish I'd cut that thing down. I wish I didn't have that thing. Think about that. But I'll let you make your own choice, Rick. Okay. Thank you very much, Walter. Good and talking to you. Christmas. Good talking to you. Happy holidays back to you. We've got, let's see, we've got time here for Joanne to come in. Hey, Joanne, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Thank you. Um, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I have about eight laurel petalums that were professionally planted in April of 14. Mm-hmm. And they were doing great. They were growing. They were pretty crimson color. And then one of them um, we saw just as if somebody had come by and sat on them. <laughs> All right. The, the little, I don't, you know, they're not trees, but the little limbs, branches, yeah, yeah. were just like they had been gnawed. Okay. And now two more are affected. And we we had all this beautiful landscaping put in by people we really thought knew what they were doing. And we told them, we have a big piece of property with lots of deer. Do you uh, think the deer uh, are sitting on them? <laughs> it's possible. I'll tell you how to tell if it's deer or not. Oh, good. Well, two or three ways. One, look around and look for deer droppings. Deer, they do droppings pretty frequently during the day, and when they're browsing, it seems like they're doing it every Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. So you see the little brown pellets and piles around the place. If you see deer droppings, yep, it's probably deer. We we haven't seen those around near those plants. I mean, the deer are all over our property, but... Not around that particular, but go ahead. Tell me. In, in my experience, deer don't particularly like laurel petalum. They'll not. They'll browse on it a little bit, but not like they just come and okay. eat it to the ground like they do with hosta and daylilies and roses. Yeah. Sometimes you know about that. Yeah, you look for tracks, and you knew that already. You look for deer tracks. Another thing to look for is the cut on the actual stems that have been browsed. If you look at the stems closely. 
mm-hmm. the place where it's, the cut was made by their teeth will be very ragged. And it's I mean very ragged. ragged. It's yeah. very ragged. That's uh, Mr. Deer, I think. That sounds like deer. Rabbits, if it were a small plant and rabbits were chewing on it, their cut is a 45-degree sharp angle, no messiness to it at all. Deer have to sort of struggle with it. They don't have top teeth, and so they struggle and sort of gnaw yeah. on a little bit to bring it yeah. up. Deer's now turning more and more likely, Joanne. What do we do? I mean, well, ah, you're talking to the man who might have some ideas for you. In the first place, I don't think the smell repellents, the ones that you spray on the foliage of plants, work very well or practically don't work very well because you have to reapply them. Some last longer than others. There's. Oh, two or three uh, that have bone tar in them and some blood meal and some other things that make them stick around, and they so they last for more than more than a week. And there are others that seem to be washed off in the first rain don't seem to work at all. But there's one in particular that I have experimented or had people tell me has worked very well for them. It's called Repel X, R-E-P-E-L-L-E-X. Sadly, Pike has not seen fit yet to carry it, and the only place that I have gotten it is online at Amazon. But Repel X is little pellets, and you put the pellets in the ground around your loripedalum, which absorbs the capsaicin that's in the pellet. The capsaicin is the hot stuff in peppers. And once the deer comes and gnaws a little bit on the lower pedalum and their tongue burns, they say, man, I'm going to go over here and eat Joanne's roses or something else, okay. not her lower pedalum. Uh, so, or your neighbor's roses or something like that. Try it and see. And if you want some details on how it works and why I'm leaning towards it more and more now, go on my website, just type the word R-E-P-E-L-L-E-X in my search line, and you'll get some details details on what I think about it and all that. So does it work on, other, I mean, it, it would work on all of our stuff around yeah. here that yeah, yeah, they yeah. eat. They eat our hostas. They, you know, we just. Yeah, not on your tomatoes, not on your beans, not on anything that you're going to eat. It'll be sort of guacamole. It'll be, you know, hot time for that. So don't do that. But on your shrubs and things, again, WalterReeves.com. Type in RepelX, R-E-P-E-L-L-E-X. Thanks for calling, Joanne. we got to get out of here. It's 848. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. You're a bad banana with a greasy black <laughs> Time for a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Cold December, plenty of sunshine today, not so much in the way of warmth. Highs today go into the low 50s, and tonight low 30s. Right now it's 31.5 degrees. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Mark is in Winston, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Mark, good morning. How can I help? Merry Christmas. Christmas. Uh, My question is, you see a lot of homes that have extensive tree coverage and their topsoil is washed away, exposing roots. Got it. And my question is, is it feasible or practical to leave the leaves, instead of raking them up and burning them, leave them, keep them moist, but add some ammonium nitrate fertilizer to them to help them decompose and replenish the topsoil? Not a bad idea, Mark. Uh, it certainly makes more sense than raking the leaves off and letting things get eroded. 
ammonium nitrate, as you probably know, is pretty hot nitrogen-containing fertilizer, and I would not move, wouldn't use much. And frankly, I think it would be safer to say to rake the leaves off, put the ammonium nitrate on the leaves in a compost pile, turn it a couple of times, and then reapply that compost to the tree root area rather than trying to uh, put the ammonium nitrate down because I would really worry that you could put too much or somebody might too much put too much down it would burn the roots and that would kill the tree. Okay. Yeah. Or because you know when I, I do a lot of composting and and usually it's during the summer with you know you add the green material and right. you go up green to brown so you get the composting. Yeah. And but, I was just thinking since the leaves are all brown and the pine needles are all brown if you added ammonium nitrate. If you use a uh, uh, lower nitrogen fertilizer? You know, that might work if you had something that was closer to a 5 or 6%. I wouldn't even go as high as 10, 10, 10. But lower nitrogen might work to compost it in, in place without raking them up. But this, again, you got to work out. you got to be careful in the application rate. Make sure you don't hurt the tree. Thanks for calling, Mark. i got to get out of here and thank Ashley Frasca for doing such a great job screening calls, answering questions off the air, and answering eight calls before she got a winner to the weekend prize bag. Scott Maxson chose some great music this morning, including Wookie Foot just visiting. That was shared to me by my lovely 25-year-old son. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. We'll see you right here next Saturday morning for another edition of Lawn and Garden. We will see you then.